this first one is one that you may know. Um, it was real popular among the, uh, in the churches, especially those that sang chorus after chorus after chorus. We're not going to do it that long. We are one in the spirit. Anybody remember that one? Yeah. And we got the lyrics up there. In D minor. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are one in the spirit. We are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity Thank you, Father, for giving us all good gifts and all the different ways we can share. I ask you to be with me, with all of us. Help us to, to hear what you've got to say. You know I prepared and asked you to be with me, but more than that, Father, I ask that you prepare each of our hearts. Let us hear what, what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. I got to tell you, I am amazed and honored to be part of Gather Church. This is a pretty amazing place. Um, I mean, look look at us. We we sing together, we pray together, we mourn together, we serve together. God knows we laugh together. We always have plenty of good reason that. And we're a diverse group. Um, we bring different things to the mix. Some of us bring time, some of us bring money, some bring transportation, and some provide strong backs. I'm always grateful for that. And uh, we all bring good humor. Some of us are still trying to figure out where we fit in at all, if at all. But if this isn't a family, I don't know what is. 
Uh, for some of us, it's the only real family we've ever known, and we, we need each other. Uh, we've all been affected by good choices and bad choices. We've been affected by the economy, been affected by drugs, by jail time, by crime, by rejection, by disease. And I bet that we've each been affected by churches we've visited, been part of, including this one, uh, influences both positive and negative. But the fact that we are right here right now reflects the choices that this is where we want to be, this is where we want to learn. And what makes this unique, it's you know, not just where we meet and when we meet. Um, it's not just who we are with, it's not just what we do. But those are part of it. Those are all unique to us. But what we do is not the only way of serving Jesus. I hope you know that. Uh, some churches focus on sending missionaries across the world. Some focus on building new churches. Some focus on avoiding worldly influences, living a sinless life. Some churches focus on political and social change. Every other church in Centralia and across the world is just as unique as we are. Uh, there are millions of things that distinguish us from each other. But with all these differences, God calls us to be united. Ephesians 4, 3-5 Paul says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's what I want to talk about briefly. Uh, unity. In that scripture, Paul encourages us to hold on to the unity that binds us together in peace. He doesn't ask us to create that unity because that's been done. That was created through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. He calls on us to guard that unity because it's founded on God's oneness and his work in the world. We look around us and we see obvious divisions, so many different denominations among those who call Jesus Lord. We look different, we sound different, we act different. So we wonder, where is there any kind of unity? So let me offer you this perspective. In mathematics, and I want to beg the indulgence of Darren and any other mathematicians may be lurking about here. <laughs> I saw his, his ears perk up. Okay, he's granted me indulgence, thank you. In mathematics, dividing by zero makes no sense at all. If you try it on a calculator, say if you divide two by zero, or 45 by zero, and hit equals, it'll give you an error message. Uh, mathematicians refer to numbers divided by zero as undefined. There is no answer. Is that a fair definition? Okay, that's as far as I'm going with mathematics. <laughs> but in logic, we can look at it differently. If you take two objects with nothing dividing them, fused together, if you will, they become one object, one object. If you take 45 objects divided by zero, fuse them together, 
their one object. So this is my, I posit this as my, my logical thing here. I started giving this some thought early in my marriage to Miss Marsha. Um, having survived two earlier marriages, I became aware of all the different things that can divide two people. Um, lack of maturity, differing worldviews, opposing passions, conflicting interests. So I determined to make this relationship work, as did Marcia. And I'm delighted to report that Marcia and I are closer now than we ever have been. Uh, I married my best friend ever, and I never looked back. Yeah. We are still, as you can tell, very different people. But as we live and work together, our differences become less and less important than our togetherness. We work toward that state of being divided by nothing. So we can look at the Christian Church, the universal body of believers in Christ, and you can see that there are millions of differences separating us. In this room, even, there are likely no two people who believe everything exactly the same. With that in mind, you could say there is no unity. Uh, some people might, might look at gathered church and say, we're so diverse, so splintered, how could we ever accomplish anything? But we do figure out how to make it work. Amid all this diversity, it's something greater that brings us together. The same way we can look at how the global church is splintered. We worship in different languages and cultures, in different styles. We do share many rituals, but look at the different ways we baptize and take communion, for example. How many different kinds of music do we listen to and sing? And you've got to admit that what goes on inside church buildings all over town is different. What looks to us like Christian fellowship to other folks might look like uh, bedlam or insanity or total disorganization, right? But other churches might look to us like still life, different ways of worshiping. What kind of unity is that? I'm going to tell you a story. And if I slip into my native tongue of Oklahomese. Oki was my first language. Um, uh, please bear with me because this is where I first heard the story and it sometimes doesn't sound right unless I give it a little bit of twang, you know. Young feller was walking across a bridge, saw a young lady standing at the rail admiring the, the view. Lovely day, he said. Yes, a glorious day, she replied. God sure does good work. Oh, yes, he sure does. Are you a believer? Uh, yes, I'm a Christian. Oh, me too, small world. Protestant or Catholic? A Protestant. Me too, what denomination? Baptist. Well, me too, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? <laughs> Northern Baptist. Well, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Northern Conservative Baptist. Well, that's amazing. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or, or Northern Conservative Reformed Baptist? Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist? Remarkable. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region? Or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Eastern Region? 
Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes region. Well, hallelujah. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He then said, die you heathen, and pushed her over the rail. <laughs> now that may be what it looks like when we go setting conditions for unity. It may not be what we think it is, and trying to find it just may point out our differences. There are certain, certain religions where the goal is to have everyone believe and worship exactly the same. Even some churches that call themselves Christian have that goal. But is that the unity Christ calls us to? Does he mean for us to think exactly the same? Yes. <laughs> Dan, black, black star here. <laughs> I'll give you a chance for a makeup test later. <laughs> what is meant by being one in the spirit? Like the song we were singing earlier. Is it calling Jesus Lord? On the one hand, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Paul says in Acts 2 and Romans 10. On the other hand, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. In Spanish, that phrase, I never knew you, yo nunca les conocí, means I never met you. So how does Jesus distinguish among those who call him Lord? Matthew 25, this is a... I don't need it. Matthew 25, starting with verse 31. This is a thing of Jesus that is uh, well known, but to, as we go through this thinking about unity, it's in here, I promise. That'd be undignified. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from the other, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. 
Then the righteous will ask, answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick and are in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I will tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Thinking about livestock, we know what sheep look like, and we know what goats look like. But there are some breeds of both that it's very hard to distinguish. Same with people who call themselves by Christ's name. The shepherd is the only one who knows. We only guess. We see the outward actions and appearances, and those are what divide us. Even our actions look the same. But they're the key element of being Jesus-like. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, you hear these words often. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is what distinguishes us. Our hearts, our common direction, those are what unite us. I'm going to sing one more song to close up here. And it is in Hebrew, and some of you may know this one. And this is a... This is the translation of the first line of our scripture reading this evening from Psalm. Uh, how, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. I will read through it so you can see what it sounds like. That was the whole sermon? Uh, there will be, be a sequel for you. <laughs> I think you need it. <laughs> yeah, <don't worry. laughs> Hine matovu manayim shevet achim gam yachad. Hine matovu manayim shevet achim gam yachad. We'll do one phrase at a time. Hine matovu manayim shevet achim gam yachad. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
the key word in there is yachad, which means unity. But the yachad in this means absolute unity, more than just peace and harmony. It's our attachment to God, our unity with him, not just with other people. That is the ultimate divided by nothing. That's being one in this spirit. This psalm is traditionally sung at Shabbat feasts, or Sabbath celebrations, when we lay down all the things of the world and wait on him, listening for him to communicate with us. As we become more united with him, we become less divided from each other. Amen. Thank you, right on cue. Mm-hmm. Oh, turn this up. I'll start out slow. And as, as most Jewish songs, it can get going pretty fast, but I probably won't do that. La 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 la